Last time on the Skip and Josh podcast. You know how many times, countless times, we're at a restaurant, we're somewhere, and then someone's like, I don't want, I'm not going to finish my french fries. Does anybody want these? And then immediately your hand is up or you're already taking the plate or you're already eating the fries. So, oh no, if someone, if someone is giving up their fries, they're, I inhale them before they can even finish the sentence. You're listening to the Skip and Josh podcast with Skip Sherman and Josh Obadia. Okay, Skip, today we're going to uh, talk about our favorite sporting events that we've been to. And actually, um, favorite might not be the right adjective. I'm going to call it the coolest sporting events that I've been to. So mine is totally different. Mine is my favorite. Okay, that's fine. Because I don't, I don't like my list. <laughs> I haven't been to that many cool events, so I went with like what means more, what meant more, or what means more to me now. You know. Anyways, so. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I, I'm calling mine my coolest because you know some of these sporting events were not important games or anything like that, but it was just cool to be there. So. Oh yeah, great. That's why I'm calling it that. But I have a, a mind list is sort of along the same line. Yeah. But before we get to our lists, mm-hmm. there's something that's bugging me that I have to get off my chest. You're kidding me? Boy, are you bugging me, man? I'm gonna, when I get, I'm gonna nail, ooh, I'm, I'm getting bugged now. Whoa, man. This is great. What bugs me is what the show's all about. We try to solve your problems and get stuff off our chest. Now, this is, uh, I'm sure it's old news to you and to all the listeners, because, you know, as you know, I'm always late to the party when it comes to like newfangled things. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry that I'm late to the party. So, I mean, obviously you've heard that there's a new iPhone, the iPhone 12, because in fact, there's three different iPhone 12s from what I've heard. Yeah, there's a mini. Right. Anyway, I don't have the iPhone 12. I don't know anyone that has the iPhone 12. But what I heard is that if you buy an iPhone 12, you no longer get a phone charger with the phone. If you want the charger, you have to buy the charger separately. This is correct. Yet another way that Apple is milking more money from us. But you see, they claim... Oh, I know what they claim, but go ahead and tell me. (laughs) They claim that they've reduced the packaging, which is 100% true because my wife got a new phone this week, the iPhone SE second generation, and I can confirm that phone, did it came with a cord, a wire, but not with a a brick, you know? And also no headphones, which they're not putting in. Right. So yes, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're they're, they're doing it to help the environment. And I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah, it helped the environment, but I mean, it's too... I mean, the, the packaging is way smaller. It's, the box is half the size. Okay, listen. That's fine if... Yeah. As long as you can use your old charger for this phone, I'm okay yeah. with that. But you know, because they've done this before, one yeah. day they're going to come out with a new charger that doesn't fit your phone, and you're going right. to have to buy a new charger. I, I would just prefer that they would come out and say, the, let's say, like, look, we're trying to be more profitable. <laughs> We've reduced our packaging. We've reduced what we're putting in the box. And we hope that's okay. <laughs> like, every everybody knows they're not a non-for-profit company. No. Apple is not a non-for-profit company. They're the opposite company. of that. It's, it's a for-profit endeavor. Let's just, let's just be transparent about it. Yeah. All right. So that's what's bugging you. We texted during the week and, you know, it was my wife's birthday and you talked to her and everything. And Yes. Happy birthday you, to your wife, by the way. You, I did call her to wish her a happy birthday. And, and you found out that she has a what bugs me of her own. <laughs> Right, and I thought it might be the same as mine, but I don't know what it is. No, it's it's really obscure. So, as you know, we go grocery shopping like every Sunday morning. And 
Um, it happened three weeks ago. And then, anyways, I'm just going to tell you. So the cashier hands, hands her the, the receipt and she says, have a good one. So I don't think anything about it. And then the next week, the, the cashier at the same store, different girl says, have a good day. And then my wife's like, you see, last week she told me have a good one. And then this week, have a good day. What is how, how did one become the word for day? So then we went last week, and then the cashier said, have a good one. And then we looked at each other, and I said, you see? She said, have a good one. And my wife's like, I don't understand. The word one has three letters. The word day has three letters. <laughs> how, did the word, how did the word one replace the word day for have a good day? It, it, like, it doesn't make sense, and it's really bothering her. So so I told her, well, we're going to talk about this on the show and I'm going to ask Josh if he thinks this is something worth like being bugged about. This is hilarious. This is the funniest thing I've ever heard on this show in four years. And this is actually something that would bug me too. Because it's so, what's the word, idiotic? I don't know. Yeah. But actually your wife is right because the, the length of the word is the same length and and the amount the amount of syllables in the word is the same, right? So exactly therefore, it doesn't said. take any less time to say one or the other, right? It's like if they came up with a word that was shorter and easier to say than than the word they're trying to replace, then she said, "I would understand," right? You know that everything everything these days is being shortened. Everything like you know you used to hear people say "washed up," now they just yeah. say "washed." I, I I'm serious. But there's there's a million more examples like that where where they've just taken out the second word. Now in this case, yeah. there's only one word. However, if you try to say it, it does take a little bit more effort to say "have a good day" than it does to say "have a good one." Okay, now but we're really parsing like the minutia. Of, of course, of course yeah. we are. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. I know I teased you on a text that she had a what bugs me, and I just wanted to let you know <laughs> what it was. I'm just waiting for the day where your wife is a guest on our show. Well, I I wanted her to come on and explain this in her own words, but you know she she didn't want to. Right. So. Right. All right. So the what bugs me is over. Are you watching the World Series? I actually I think I've seen every pitch of the World Series. And, and that is amazing for a guy who's canceled all his sports channels and sort of sworn off sports. Only following on his the score app on his phone, but the World Series grabbed you, which is makes sense, Josh. By the way, happy 200th episode. This is our 200th episode. Oh, thank you very much. Happy 200th episode to you too. And whenever we talk about baseball in the World Series, it brings us back to the first episodes because that's what we were talking about, right? Right. And the reason I, I still have no sports channels, the reason I'm able to watch the World Series is, is because it's on Fox. And you're lucky because, by the way, on Sportsnet, you have the international feed. Well, I know this, and and we the, listen. That's a rookie mistake. If you're watching on Sportsnet, you shouldn't be. No, you really, really shouldn't be. First of all, they Buck Martinez is is, is being broadcast to every English speaking country in the world that's watching the World Series, so they are getting a representation of the worst possible color man that you could have. So, and this is why I've been watching the games because I I get Fox, so yeah. it's no problem. Now, when I say I've watched every pitch, I should yeah. clarify because. My television is on for the yeah, entire no. game, but I'm I'm doing a hundred other things while I'm watching. So if you ask me, did you see that play in the seventh inning of game two? I'm going to tell you, I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Baseball is not a game where you can watch every pitch in this day and age now. You just can't. It's, it's Especially with the number of pitching changes, but don't even get me started on that. <laughs> 
I imagine you're cheering for the Rays. Like, is that or you don't care? Well, it's I'm in a no I'm in a no lose situation because the two teams that I did not want to advance yeah. both did not advance. So yeah. I don't really care who wins, to be honest. Um, I mean. Part of me would like Tampa to win because, you know, they spend no money and it would be Well, nice they're the 28th highest payroll and they've beaten the Yankees and they've beaten the Astros, which are number one and number three. And now they're playing the Dodgers, which are number two. Or, or maybe I have the numbers wrong, but Yankees, Astros, Dodgers are one, two, three in some rank. And the Rays are 28th. So Yeah, it would be a yeah. nice story. But also, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I feel a bit bad for the Dodgers because they get to the World Series, it seems like, yeah. every year and they never win and they have like this loaded roster. I mean, yeah. they sort of reminded me uh, of the Golden State Warriors, right? Yeah. You know, the Warriors were a great team. Then they went and got uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. <laughs> the Dodgers were a great team and they went and got Mookie Betts. And by the way, everyone's everyone is like trashing the Boston Red Sox for letting Mookie Betts go. And while yeah. he is a great player and I would not have traded him, I, wa- yeah. I want to say the Dodgers gave him a 12-year contract. I would not have given him a 12-year no. contract. So I agree with that. So while, while everyone's saying the Red Sox should not have let him go, they're forgetting that. The Red Sox also got rid of David Price in that trade. So it's really not as bad a trade as everyone thinks it is. Well, it's bad for the fans and for the product on the field because the Dodgers are in the World Series again and Mookie's one of their best players and the Red Sox had a abysmal season and were brutal without Mookie Betts. It's, so It's bad for this season, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be bad know. for the future. The Sox are going to spend money. Maybe not 12 years on Mookie, but they're going to spend money and they're going to get other guys. And what do we know about the Red Sox since they won the World Series in 2004? They've had ups and downs, right? They won the World Series and then they didn't make the playoffs and then they won the World Series again. And I mean, the the 2018 Red Sox, it's like one of the greatest teams ever, you know, and that's just two years ago. You know, so, (laughs) yeah. And by the way, Mookie Betts didn't even have like such a great season this year. Well, the thing with Mookie is, like, he you're right, he didn't have such a great season, and he's not, like, when he comes up to bat, you're not like, oh my god, Mookie Betts is up. You don't, you don't have that feeling. But the thing is, he's such a great all-around player. Like, you saw, he stole second, he stole third. How many catches did he make, like, over the wall? Like, he's, like, he, he's just a great player, you know? Like, but the thing is, <laughs> the Dodgers are loaded to hell. I mean, Bellinger bats sixth. <laughs> they are loaded, but you know, Tampa actually has better pitching than Los Angeles. Yeah, well, I mean, can we just talk about Tampa for two secs? And I know we try to keep these episodes a little bit short, but like, how do you how do you like Kevin Cash as the manager? Uh, you know, I don't like any of these these managers. To be honest, they they take their starting pitchers out too early. Yeah. They make too many pitching changes. They have a roster of like thirteen pitchers or something, and they just they just over they overmanage. They just overmanage. Yeah, well, it's because they have that expanded roster of pitchers that they make so many changes, right? But but like I wrote, I wrote, I have a note here. It says, I love Kevin Cash. Now, I like him for a couple of reasons. Like, because he does things that normal managers don't do just because they're scared. Right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you saw, like, like you what? see that. Okay. Well, well, I mean, there's the, 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 the first thing is not the main one. But the first thing is like, do you see he has this alignment where he has four outfielders? I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah. And you know what? But it the, actually makes sense. Yeah, of course. Of course it does. And then the other thing is that that thing that I love the most is, and we've talked about this many times, and we never did how the closer, how the saves, the stats, the save stat ruined baseball. We said we were gonna do an episode on that. We never did, but like, he doesn't have a closer. He has a bunch of relievers, mm-hmm. and he looks at the situation of the game. If the heart of the opponent's order is coming up in the seventh inning, 
he brings in his best pitcher in the seventh inning. Which is what you should do. And the guy who closes the game in the ninth is not necessarily his closer. And may, he'll get the save. He had 13 pitchers this year. 13 different pitchers got saves. Because he just puts guys in the best situation to win the game, not to get the save. Yeah, no, from, from like all it. those things that you said, I agree. I, I do yeah. like the way he, he manages a game. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll agree with you on all of that. Anyways, look, we're, we had game three. You texted me last night. You said whoever wins game three is going to win, which was like, wow, what a bold prediction, Josh. But like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's true. So yeah. So now, I mean, the Dodgers won game three. I think they're going to win it all. I still think it's going to go seven games, but I think they'll win it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. Mailbag. So uh, listener mail, our friend uh, Jeff in California commented on Facebook about our French fry episode. Great episode. I love French fries as much as Josh, if not more. <laughs> and I agree that Montreal has the best fries anywhere. When I come back to town, one of my first stops is Souvlaki Villa Grec in Laval. Possibly the best Souvlaki, he says. And the fries are killer too. So there's a place for me to check out or us to check out when you're in town. Great. Our friends over at the Department Podcast uh, in Ottawa, um, who are, you know, Phil Primo, he's a former Montrealer. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, always mayo, sometimes ketchup. <laughs> okay. And he said, La Banquise, uh, Frit Alors, Schwartz's, and Five Guys are all solid choices. And our friend Jesse in Dallas mentioned a local Dallas chain called Snuffers. <laughs> so, I've, I mean, I guess I have to... If I'm ever in Dallas, I don't know when I'll get back there. When's but, our next uh, road trip? Yeah. He said they have some fries with uh, bacon, cheese, and jalapeno, which sounds good. And he said Five Guys is a good choice. And he mentioned uh, another one on his list that he sent me called Al's French Fries in Burlington, Vermont, which is, um, I don't know if he realizes even how close we are <laughs> like to Burlington, Vermont, and how many times we've been to Burlington, Vermont. But I don't know Al's French Fries, but I'm... Definitely going to check it out when the border reopens. Top seven sporting events the guys have attended. All right. So the list, Josh. The list. It sounds like you don't even want to do the list. Well, I feel like my, well, I mean, look, it was your pick. You go first. And as you've mentioned, um, normally when it's your, the person's choice, it's because you have some, you have some items in mind for your list already. Right. In your head, you're like, I want to make the list around, I want to formulate the list around a specific choice. So I don't love my list because I haven't been to, well, these are sporting events that we've been to. I haven't been to like, I haven't been to a Super Bowl. I haven't been to an NFL playoff game. I haven't been to very many, if well, only one NHL playoff game. I haven't been to. You've only been to one NHL playoff game? Yeah, I haven't exactly. I haven't been I'm to a surprised. Final Four. I haven't been like I haven't been to like these big, big important games, you know. So, but you've been list... to March Madness games. It doesn't have yeah. to be finals. I, I'm I know you're gonna see my list. So, anyways, I just I pick games that mean something or that were interesting to me at the time. So, so you'll be surprised to know that even though the Montreal Expos are my favorite team of all time, there's not one Montreal Expos game on this list. I could have actually had all my seven items as Expos games. You could have. And I've been to a lot of great Expos games, but I never went to any of the Expos playoff games. So I didn't feel like putting a regular season game on here because I've been to, I don't know, over 100 of them. Mm -hmm. So anyway. 200, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Number seven. 
So number seven on my list is actually a game that I went to with you, funny enough. Actually, there's quite a few on my list here that we were together. Oh, this is the only one that I went to with you. Oh, my God. And I can't believe this. It's from 2008. We went I know. To, yeah. We went to the World Junior Hockey Championships in Ottawa, and we, yeah. saw, we saw Canada destroy Kazakhstan 15 nothing. Yeah. So I mean it Quite wasn't it wasn't a good game obviously like it was it was never in doubt literally never in doubt. Yeah. But it was still cool to go to a World Junior Hockey Championship game. I took a I took a picture of the scoreboard after the game. Mm-hmm. And Canada had more goals 15 than Kazakhstan had shots. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And um well obviously your son was with us which was also cool. Yeah. And I mean, some of the guys on Team Canada, Jamie Benn, John Tavares, P.K. Subban, the, the team was stacked. Well, that was a loaded Team Canada team. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember Ryan Ellis' mom was sitting behind us. That's right. Yes, I do recall. <laughs> she was mad that he broke his stick. She was like, oh my God, that's another 200 bucks. <laughs> well. Which I, which we were surprised that like they're worried about the price of the sticks. You figure, you figure Hockey Canada is taking care of them. You would but. think. I don't know. She seemed concerned about the price of the stick, so it's yeah. weird. Good pick, Josh. Good pick. All right, so number seven for me is an obscure regular season baseball game from Thursday, August 22nd, 1991. It was at Fenway Park, Indians versus Red Sox. And I think I've told this story on the podcast before. The, the oddity of this game is that we took a road trip, me and a couple of friends, to Boston. We took we, we ended up in Boston. It was a... a, a, a we we went to many stops on the road trip, but we we had we just we said we're just gonna go to a game. We're gonna go to the bo- to the to the ticket office and just buy like bleacher seats, right? And it's a regular season game. We figured we we'd be able to get in because not every game was sold out. It was August and the Red Sox weren't as competitive. But what what what's interesting about this game is there was a series of rainouts for the whole series against the Indians. A rainout and then another rainout and then they made up another game and then there were so. The game before was completely rained out, and then they have to either play this game or cancel it completely and then try to play it at the end of the year if it means something, right? Mm -hmm. So they decided that they were going to schedule this game on the off day, which was a Thursday, and there was no game scheduled. But anybody who had tickets got a refund, so it was a free-for-all. It was like the game started from zero. There was no season ticket holders. There was no anything. So we, we, the three innocent Montreal guys show up at the ticket office on the Wednesday. We're like, can we get tickets for tomorrow? And then she's like, well, what seats do you want? We're like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, you can pick anything. That's amazing. <laughs> so so there was only 14,000 fans in attendance for the game. And if you look at the attendance, they were always getting 30 to 40 every game, right? And there was only 14,000 that game. So we sat in the front row behind the Indians dugout. And for a, for a 21-year-old me who had only ever been to mostly Expos games at the Olympic Stadium when you're so far from the players, even when you're in the front row, you're still far from home plate and you're still elevated above the the field. When you're in the front row at Fenway Park, your feet are on the same level as the player's feet. If I can make that comparison. I, I get like, it. Yes, that yeah. was a weird feeling to understand, to, 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 to sense. So like you're on the same ground as them. 
And anyways, it was not a remarkable game. The Red Sox won. Jody Reed got the winning hit. But like just being in the front row, the the front row, literally five feet from all the Indians players in the on-deck circle, including Albert Bell, who was a crazy hothead who had a history of violence against the Red Sox fans, giving them the finger and all this stuff. But that was a, a fun game. That's a very cool game. So you yeah, already so have, like, seven. your list is already good. I don't know what you're worried about. <laughs> I'm just saying because it's a regular season game. That's you know, okay. So. Regular season games are allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number six. Number six on my list, we go to 2009. Mm-hmm. And we go to Cleveland because the Minnesota Vikings were playing the Browns. And this was Brett Favre's first game as a Minnesota Viking. So... I mean, the game itself, you know, I'm not a fan of the Browns or the Vikings um, either way, but the Vikings won the game 34-20. And as I mentioned, Brett Favre, his first game as a Viking, so it was a pretty big deal. Um, Adrian Peterson scored three touchdowns in that game, which is really mm. no surprise because... How many, how many NFL games have you been to? Well, three, but I think two of them... In fact, I know two of them were in Toronto, so I don't really count those. Oh, those are the, okay, I got you. Those are the Bills games in Toronto. Right. So, but, so this was the only NFL game that I've been to in the United States. Right. So again, it wasn't like a a remarkable or exciting finish or anything like that. Yeah, but But, still. But still to see um, a guy who I think is going to go to the Hall of Fame if he's not already in there. Who, Brett Favre? Yeah. Well... Let's say he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's in or not. All right, but he's, he should be. I yeah, mean, he is. Right. Yeah. So to see him, and but not as a Green Bay Packer, and and you know yeah. at the Weird. when he was on the Packers, you would think this guy's always going to be on the Packers. He's going to end his career on the Packers. But of course, we yeah. know what happened. So it was yeah. pretty cool to go. Very good. All right, Josh. Number six for me. We're going to go back to December 2008 to the game that you already mentioned of the World Junior Hockey Championships of Team Canada versus Kazakhstan. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned nice. some of the players on the game. Tavares is the big star that year, and Subban was on defense. And, um, well, Jordan Eberle, everybody knows because, you know, the also, like, the clutchness. But, like, that's the game, you know, where they can't that's – that's not the game, but that's the year of the famous goal against Russia with, you know, no time left on the clock. Yes, that was a very know? exciting game, that one. So, to tell the to. story, me and my son Matthew was seven years old at the time. Me and Matthew took the train to Ottawa <laughs> and met you in Ottawa at the train station. And you drove from Toronto to Ottawa. Yes. And then we went to the game and you you wrangled tickets through a connection, which was really great. Yeah. And then we drove home together. So it was a really long day for you. <laughs> it really was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Montreal to Ottawa is not that far, but Toronto to Ottawa is considerably farther. Yeah, um, that was just a super fun day and a great day to share with my son, who was like becoming, you know, this is like the beginning of his hockey fandom. You know, seven year old him, you know, Team Canada, rah rah rah, and we just had a great time. And it's I have great pictures of it, and it's a day, a game that we're always going to remember, and we're always going to remember that Canada spanked Kazakhstan fifteen nothing. We were lucky that the start time was three thirty in the afternoon because we were because it gave us the right amount of time to be able to. Do whatever, you know, get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
But it's pretty amazing, though, because they were like, oh, Canada, Kazakhstan, we knew it was going to be a blowout, right? Like, me and you knew it was going to be a blowout. And then Canada starts pumping in these goals, and we're like, oh, this is going to be a boring game. But meanwhile, my seven-year-old Matthew, he's like, he's in all his glory. Like, 15 goals for him is, like, the greatest thing he's ever seen in his life, yeah. right up to that point, you know? So, it was you a know, fun through time. the eyes of a child, it looks different, you know? It's awesome. Number five. So then I go to 2007. And I've been to a lot of March Madness games in Syracuse and in Buffalo because now that I live in Toronto, Buffalo is very close. Yeah. So in 2007, I went to a few March Madness games in the first round in Buffalo. Now, the first round is usually not that exciting. And the game I'm referring to was also not that exciting. It was um, Maryland beat Davidson 82-70. to the reason, the reason I mention this game is because yeah. a guy by the name of Steph Curry was playing for Davidson in this game. Right, right. No one knew who he was. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. But he played in this game, and he actually scored 30 points. He led his team. In fact, he may have led all players in the game because the scorers on Maryland were spread out evenly. So um, it was just pretty cool to be at a game where you're watching a guy who is now one of the top players in the NBA. Yeah. And, you, you know, you don't know. Like, when you go to these March Madness games or you go to minor league baseball games, you're seeing all these guys that you never heard of, and there's a chance that one of them ends up being amazing. That's pretty cool, actually. So <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right, Josh, number five for me is a game that we went to together, August 19, 2018. It's a preseason game. So you know it's got to be really good if it's a preseason game and it makes it into the list. This is when the Duke Blue Devils took on McGill. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, okay? of course. Now you're saying, Skip, what the hell? How does this game get up in your list? And No, and no, no. First... I'm not. I, I, no, okay. I'm, I'm in agreement. We did a whole episode on this. <laughs> okay? On this game and this also the other games that you went to see in Toronto. But I'm going to specifically talk about this game. I mean, look, we saw two great players for duke who are now in the nba in zion williamson and rj barrett and they just put on a crazy show for the fans zion had 36 points and and he dunked all over everybody all game and this is like at that point you know everybody now is like oh yeah zion williamson everybody knows who he is right but at that point in august 2018 not everybody knew who zion williamson what zion williamson was we knew because we're huge fans and my son knew who came with us because he was following zion on instagram with all his crazy dunks for the previous year but like he hadn't even played a game for duke yet he hadn't even played a college game yet so this was his big coming out party for a lot of people but the reason why i have this game in our list in the list josh and because the re- and i mentioned it when we i mentioned it when we did the episode about this whole duke uh, canada tour when we walked into that arena and we saw all the Duke people, people with Duke jerseys, and, and walking into the arena, people with Duke jerseys, and I and I sat down and I said to you, I was like, this is it. We're with our people. <laughs> you know? I remember. Like, I had this feeling of we are where – I am where I belong right now. This is – of any place in the world that I could have been at that moment in August 19th of 2018, I was in the right place. I was with my people, the fellow Duke fans, the fellow college basketball fans, and of all places, Montreal, in an arena in Laval, where, you know, like, 
just it was just an awesome experience that's all i'll, I'll leave it at that no it was very cool for many reasons first of all the fact that duke was playing a game in canada was was oh, very cool ridiculous and then yeah. and then like you said i mean you and i have been to other duke games but almost all the time the duke games that we've been to duke is either the road team or neutral it's court. a neutral site and everyone is rooting against duke yeah. So, but here, this was the first time, like you said, that ninety nine percent of the fans were actually rooting for Duke. Absolutely. And to make, I mean, I, you, to, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, just I'll add one more thing. It just so happens that the game was played at um, it's called not the Bell Center, Plas Bell, Plas yeah. Bell, and Bell. Their colors happen to be blue. And Duke right. also happens to be blue. Right. So it kind of looked like it was a home game for Duke. Exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was a home game technically. It was. Yes. Right. But but yeah, it, just amazing. Just amazing. And I like to see all the Duke stuff because, like you said, we've been to a March Madness game to see Duke in Syracuse. Right. Mm-hmm. You remember this game? It was against Florida. I still remember it. If I'm not mistaken, Duke lost. Yeah, Duke lost. Yes. This is Chris Carrawell was our big guy that year. It was not the best year, but Duke lost. But I remember like. There wasn't many Duke paraphernalia. There wasn't a lot of Duke jerseys in the crowd. Like, I had a shirt on and a hat, you know? And mm-hmm. people were coming up to me after the game saying, oh, sorry, you guys lost. But, like, there wasn't many, right? But this was different against McGill. Like, it was it was full of blue. Yeah. <laughs> right? Number four. Number four for me, fast forward to 2015, mm-hmm. February. I went to, here we go, Syracuse. And this was actually a regular season game against the Duke Blue Devils. And this this is very cool because I've been to Syracuse uh, a bunch of times for basketball. But, you know, you see Davidson versus Maryland or you see, uh, I don't know, Villanova versus, uh, who knows, maybe Georgetown or something like that. But this was, I, I was, I was going to see my favorite team play against Syracuse. And this was also, if I'm not mistaken, the year that the NBA was on strike or there was a lockout. So this was one of the most highly anticipated basketball games of 2015. Right, I remember. And in fact, because they play in a football stadium in Syracuse, there were like 35,000 fans at this game, I think. It was, the the attendance was insane. That's amazing. So um, Jalil Okafor was on Duke that year. And Duke ended up, if I'm not mistaken, they won the championship that season um, a month or two later or a month and a half after this. Right, that's the Tyus Jones, Okafor, Justice Winslow. Right, right. So anyway, it was a it was a it was a good game. Duke won the game 80 to 72. And one of the things I'll never forget, and I didn't know that this happens, but after the anthem, no one sits down in Syracuse. They don't sit down until their team scores a basket. And I didn't understand this because the anthem ended and no one sat down. So I couldn't sit down either because I wanted to see what was going on. That's and funny. and Duke starts off, you know, I don't know if they had a 6 nothing lead or an 8-0 lead. And I'm, I'm saying to the person that I went with... Are we ever going to sit down? Are we ever going to sit down? I didn't quite understand. And then finally Syracuse scores yeah. and then everyone sits down. So then I figured it out. Oh, that's a cool tradition. I didn't know about that. And I think this well. happens at other college basketball games also. I just didn't realize it. Right, right. So that was very cool to be at that game. Number four for me is the only NHL playoff game that I've ever been to. It was May 
2010, the Habs versus the Flyers. <laughs> now, if you remember, this is the this is the uh, the Yaroslav Halak year. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Canadians beat the pe- Penguins in the first round. No, the the Capitals and the Penguins in, in the first two rounds, and they knocked off the two top teams, and then they end up playing the Flyers, and everyone thought, oh, they're gonna beat the Flyers too because the Flyers were worse. Flyers only made the playoffs on the last game of the season on a shootout. And um, anyway, so they ended up losing the series to the Flyers in in five games. But the game that I went to was a game that they won, the Canadians. They won five to one. So, I mean, I don't have to go over who's on the Canadians and who scored and everything. You know, Mike Camilleri scored and it was great. And But the, the, you know, anybody, you know, they always talk about what's the loudest arenas in the NHL. And they always talk about the, the Bell Center and Chicago. Like, mm-hmm. those are the top two. Now, I've never been to a game in Chicago for hockey, so I don't know what it is. But I can tell you that... The Bell Center, like, I had this feeling that I've never had ever in my life. Like, when the Canadians scored a goal, everybody stands up. The crowd is so loud. I I was, I felt faint. I felt like I was going to pass out. Like, I uh, something changed in my blood pressure or, you know, I don't know. But, <laughs> but like, I felt like, 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 it was like I was in another planet. It was really, really weird. So loud. When things are going bad, Montreal hockey fans are the worst, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when things are going well, <laughs> Montreal hockey fans are the best. And I'll just leave it at that. Number three. Number three for me. Now, all of my previous uh, events happened in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to get a little older now. Ah, me too. Mine mine are all older now. We go. We go all the way back to 1989. Oh, gosh. And you mentioned um, playoff hockey in Montreal. Oh, yeah. You've told this story before. Yes. Well, this is part, this is only half the story, actually. So, this was the year that the Calgary Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals in 1989. Yeah. And I actually went to two games in that series. I went to the final game where. The Flames actually hoisted the Stanley Cup, which was, again, very cool for me. At the time, I was a Flames fan because Rick Walmsley was a member of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. And I hated Just so everybody show. knows, Josh has really, like, somehow, for some whatever reason, Rick Walmsley's your favorite player. He is. And so um, I hated the Canadians back then. And so I was thrilled when the Flames won the Stanley Cup. So to be... At, a, at an NHL playoff game, but not only just any playoff game, to be at a game where a team actually wins the Stanley Cup and hoists mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup was very, very cool. First time ever that a road team won the Stanley Cup in Montreal, right? I think you're right, yes. Now, I'm not sure what's more cool, that game or when I was at game four, I believe it was game four of that series. Let me just double check this. Well, that's the game where you got a stub and got in the game, right? <laughs> Yes, sorry, game three, yes. Game three was the game where I got a stub and I went into the game and I I got to see double overtime for free. Right. Sitting behind the net. Right, that's amazing. Who scored the goal in double overtime? I think it was Ryan Walter. Ryan Walter. There you go. um, So I'm going to put both of those games in the same series as number three on my list. Number three, and I'm glad you mentioned that you put two games into a one single item because my number three, um, I, I originally had it as it's an expos, it's an expos thing. Mm-hmm. It's the series against the Phillies 
from September 93. Now, I've narrowed it down to one game here, but I could have put the series there. Now, just to set the stage, the Expos in 90... Everybody knows how great the Expos were in 94, but what, what people don't remember was they had a great team in 93 and just run out of room on the schedule because they had a, a mental month of September and nearly caught the Phillies, who seemed to be way, way, way ahead in the standings. And the Expos just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. And they had this crucial three-game series... Um, in September of 93, the Expos took two out of three, and unfortunately, they did need to sweep. And, I mean, me and you have talked at length about the middle game that they... Anyways, I don't want to talk about Sean Barry, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too painful. But but the game one of that series is one of the very, very cool um, Expos moments. The Expos did win the game 8-7 to seven in 12 innings, which is huge, Right. And you'd figure, oh yeah, I'm gonna talk about like how they won in the in the twelfth inning because the line of the shields hit a sacrifice fly, but that's not what I'm gonna talk about because in the seventh inning, a very cool moment in Expo's history happened when Curtis Pride made his first appearance as an Expo, and people are like, who the hell is Curtis Pride? Curtis Pride was a decent prospect who came up through our minor league system, but he was a deaf player; he could not hear, and he hit a double. In the seventh inning, and I mean, you can go watch the YouTube highlights and stuff and see the interviews and everything after, but that was a moment because everybody was standing, the entire state, the entire um, uh, crowd in attendance was standing. And let me tell you, people who say we didn't get crowds, there was 45,000 fans there that day, 45,757. You have the ticket stub, you were at the game. I know we were there together. I'm sure we were. So, I mean... The the stadium was shaking, and Curtis Pride, the deaf player who can't hear any of those fans screaming, said to the press after, he felt the stadium shaking. He knew what was going on. He could see with his eyes, but he could feel the vibration on the field from all the fans. So that was a very, very cool moment and an awesome moment in Expos history. Yes, it was. I do remember it vividly, and you're absolutely yeah. right, and it's definitely worthy of being on your list. In fact, yeah, nice. you could have put that as number one on your list. Well, I have another Expos. Uh, anyways, we're going to see. Number two. Then we go to 1991, and you know how I put two of the uh, two of the games in that series with the Flames and the Canadians into one? So here I'm going to do the same thing. This is not NHL hockey. This uh-huh. is Canada Cup hockey in 1991. And oh. so me and a few friends, we wanted to go to a Canada Cup game. But apparently, if you're going to buy tickets, you can't just buy tickets to one game. You have to buy a package of three games. And right. one of those three games, unfortunately, was like a, a pre-tournament exhibition game, which was meaningless. But you also get one regular round-robin game and one game in the finals. Now, of course, when we bought the tickets, we didn't know who was going to play in the finals. Well, I mean, you always assume Canada's going to be... Right. And so and so, yeah. so the round-robin game that we went to was Canada versus Czechoslovakia. They were called Czechoslovakia at the time. Right. And Canada won that game 6-2. to two. Right. And the, the final game, the final was a best of three. It was between Canada and United States... Canada won the best of three, two games to nothing. And we were at game one of those two games where Canada beat the United States 4-1. Now, in one of the games, you may recall that Gary Souter of the United States body-checked Wayne Gretzky into the corner of the boards and... That knocked him out of the tournament. So that's a moment that I will never forget. Now, 
uh, Gretzky still did play right. Every everyone when you're looking at the stats, all the players played eight games. Gretzky only played seven because he mm-hmm. didn't play that final game. Canada still won anyway without him because of course Canada stacked. Is that the Steve Larmer year? It is right. Yes, okay. it is. Steve Larmer was number two in scoring on the team mm-hmm. after Wayne Gretzky. That was so, a sneaky team, Canada team. You know, they won, but they didn't have necessarily the best looking roster on paper, you know? Well, you know, they had Gretzky and Larmer and Messier and Coffey and Al McInnes yeah, yeah. and Bill Ranford and that. Um, yeah. But anyway, the fact that I got to go to two games plus one of the pre-tournament games was pretty cool. And yeah. I still have the ticket stubs. And speaking of the price of tickets, I, do you want to guess how much it cost to go to one of those three games? This is 91. Yes. And is that the forum, right? Yes. I don't know. It's like $18. Yeah, $18, $17.25 <laughs> per game, which is nothing. I should be on the prices right for tickets. You really should. I mean, you could never get into a Canada Cup game or a World Cup game for $17 these days. Josh, a beer at the Bell Center is $17. I know, that's insane. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but it's close. It's damn close. <laughs> So anyway, it was very cool to go to two Canada Cup games. Right. All right. So my number two is Expos again. We're going to June of 1994. Everybody knows about the 94 Expos and how sad it was. But I'm going to talk about the high point of 1994. It was a three-game series against the Braves. And the Braves had won the division all those years. And they were the untouchables of the NL East. And here we are, the Expos. And everybody in Montreal knows damn well that we're better than them. And we took two out of three from the series. We won the first two. Unfortunately, they won the third one. But the first two was a statement because we beat Greg Maddox in game one. (laughs) And I wasn't at that game, so I can't put it on the list. But I remember listening to it on the radio. Believe it or not, it was not televised. Can you imagine? I can. And and game one is famous because everybody remembers the home run that Cliff Lloyd hit off of Greg Maddox, which is still going now. It hasn't stopped traveling all these years. That's right. And um, the game that I have is game two, (laughs) where we, although uh, Tom Glavin wasn't the um, losing pitcher, we, I mean, we we beat Maddox and Glavin, right, in game one and two. And that's all you need to know about the 94 Expos. They were like, okay, you're giving us Maddox and Glavin? Who cares? We're going to still beat you, right? Mm -hmm. And they won, the Expos won the game um, eight to seven. But the, the crazy thing is, is that they scored three runs in the eighth and two in the ninth to win the game. So this was the crazy comeback game, you know, like um, the never say die 94 Expos, which says everything you need to know, right? Like, Will, this is the Will Cordero's coming out party. And, you know, basically it, it's been leading up to it because he had some really big game winning hits even in 93. But he, he hit a, a home run in the eighth, um, which was really, really key. And then... Um, got the winning hit in the ninth. And you can look up, and I'll try to post a YouTube video of the Will Cordero. I mean, there's so many of these Will Cordero, Roger Brulotte moments where he's screaming, Wilfredo Cordero. And this is one of them, you know, so. The cloth is exposed! Wilfredo Cordero! It's just, uh, was, I mean, I remember being at the game and. I remember being so mad that I couldn't go to the first game on Friday. And anyways, so that was the the big coming out party for the Expos. Unfortunately, it didn't end. The season didn't end the way we wanted to, but that game certainly did. Yeah, that season was amazing. And I didn't get to go to as many games as I would have liked to that year because, as you recall, I was away all summer working working in Welland, Ontario. 
Yeah. Uh, however, somehow I still did manage, I think, to go to about 20 Expos games that season, which is That's remarkable amazing. considering it was a shortened season well, I mean, and I was away. I remember just back in those days, 92, 93, 94, even 90, 91, like I used to just go to so many games. Like I would like the Expos have a three game series against whoever. I'm at two of them. Yeah. You know? And if, and the, the reason why I couldn't go is because like I, if I had work or if I had like, I mean, I was at the time in 91 is the first year, 91, 92, 93 was like, met my, this is when I met my current wife, you know, and at, you know, at the time it's like, I can't tell her like, okay, we're going to the game on Saturday night. That's our big date. Although I did manage to convince her to do that many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, her, Luckily, her parents she, had she, season tickets, so you lucked She liked out. going to the game and, you know, eventually she, she learned how to keep score on the scorecard and, you know, she was a big fan too, you know, so. Number one. For number one on my list, I have to go all the way back to 1982. I oh obviously God, you were 11. Uh, yeah, I didn't know you at the time. And yeah. as I mentioned before we began this list, I don't have any Expos games on, the, on this list. However, in 1982, oh, I went yeah. to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which was in Montreal. And that this was, cool. as that an 11-year-old, this yeah. was the coolest thing ever because I'm at an All-Star Game and there are three Expos in the starting lineup, not including... Uh, Steve Rogers, if you count him, there's four. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Al Oliver was also on the team. He came into the game later. So you've got all these Expos on the team. And, I mean, I, I, do, I did talk about this, how, you know, the field looked terrible and Major League Baseball at these days would never allow a game to be played oh. on that field. Oh. But still, being Brutal. there as an 11-year-old with 59,000 other fans was the coolest thing ever. Um, and I do have the ticket stub and I want to, let's see if you can continue your, uh, prowess in guessing the price of the ticket. Keep in mind that I was sitting up. Tell me the seats. I, Tell yeah, me the seats. I was sitting yeah. in section and I didn't even know this section existed. Section 761. Oh my God. You were as high as it could go. Yes, I was. Oh, so this it's less than $20. It's like, uh, it's probably like $12. One ticket was $6. Oh my God. For the all-star game. For the all-star game. For the all-star game. game. Think about that. Think about how times have changed, right? Yes. Oh, my God. That is sick. Oh, my God. But, you know, we did talk about this recently, and I was trying to remember why. It's because they were showing all the old Expos games on TV, right? And they showed the Mm all-star game. Oh, my God. The field looked brutal. I can't believe that they played on that field. The field did look terrible. It didn't look as bad when you were there as it did on television. No, because on television, everything in that Olympic stadium had, like, a green tint. Yeah, it, it, it looked better when you were there, but it, it did not look good. Right. So All right. So, I mean, that's a great number one, Josh. I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> so number one for me is a whole weekend. It's not a one game. It's a weekend. We were together in March of 1991, where we went to the entire uh, NCAA March Madness first round in Syracuse. So we saw four games on, was it on, was it Thursday, Saturday? Or was it Friday, Sunday? I think it was Friday, Sunday. I think it was Friday, Sunday. So we saw four games on the Friday and then two games on the Sunday. And like, just to say like North Carolina was the big team that we saw. And uh, you remember there was California, right? Mm-hmm. With their amazing cheer. California, California. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful, actually. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez, NFL Hall of Fame tight end was the power forward on California. Um, yeah. We saw Penn State, Raleigh Massa. Uh, we saw Penn State. We saw Villanova with Raleigh Massimino. Uh, North Carolina, which our hated team, Eric Montross was their big guy. Rick Fox was on the team. 
it was just like an amazing vibe. You know, we're in there with the band. We're sitting in the where we changed seats. We sat in sections with the fans of of those of those uh, those schools, and like we didn't have any rooting allegiance to any team other than we didn't want North Carolina to win. That was it. So we right. didn't care about any of the results. You know. It was great, and 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 so the day there was a day off in between, like as you said, the games were Friday and Sunday. There were no games right. on Saturday, but we stayed in Syracuse. We stayed at a hotel with this big group of people that we went with. Um, yeah. It was a bus trip, and so we got to walk around Syracuse the whole day and and try a couple of restaurants, and and then we got this uh, this we got this March Madness basketball. It was really cool basketball. We both have I, one. I think. I think I still have that March Madness basketball somewhere. It came. Something it was from happened Pizza to Hut. the ball. Yes. Yeah. Something happened to mine. Yeah. Um, where it didn't lose its air, but it could no longer bounce. Like it used to be able to bounce, but mine yeah. became somehow it became a brick. And it, you drop it, it would just it would break your toe. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what happened to the ball, but whatever. All right. So well, that was my number one. It was just an amazing weekend of basketball, and our our introduction we mean our real not introduction because we were college basketball fans already but like we were thrown into the whole college basketball world we saw how things really work what happens with the students the bands the fans like it gave us insight into how to buy tickets for other events and at at march madness because we realized that the remember we realized that like the students who are coming with the teams from like wherever from missouri or from wherever california they, they, they bring their own students, but they don't have enough. So they have all these extra tickets, right? <laughs> they don't right. know what to Not do with. Not only that, when it, <laughs> that's how we ended up. When a team gets eliminated, they don't want the tickets to the next game. So you can easily get tickets to the next game because that school, they're gone. And they just, they want to get rid of their tickets and leave. So that's that, that was my number one. I think it was a worthy number one. I'm surprised it didn't make it onto your list. Was it in well, your list? Well, it made it my own uh, mentions because I've been to a lot of March Madness games with you in Syracuse, we, we went twice to Syracuse actually, and three then I've been to a few times. That's right, three times, yes. And then um, I've been to games in Buffalo, so I couldn't put all of the March Madness games on my list. And so the one you're referring to, the that year, is on my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Who else do you have on honorable mentions? I have to explain some of my honorable mentions because they're they're obscure. So in 2010, I went to a Hamilton Bulldogs game. And the only reason I put this on my honorable mention is because P.K. Subban was playing for Hamilton at the time. Right. Uh, Another honorable mention on my list was in 2012. This is a game I went to with you in Las Vegas. It was a triple-A baseball game. And the reason this is on the list is because Vlad Guerrero played in that game. Right. I went to a college football game in 2009 between Michigan and Penn State. Whoa. Don't ask me who played in that game, but uh, I believe Joe Paterno was the coach of Penn State in this game. Also went to, speaking of college sports, in 1995, I went to a regular season college basketball game at Madison Square Garden between St. John's and Georgetown. Felipe Lopez was playing for St. John's and a guy by the name of Allen Iverson was playing for Georgetown. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, so this was on my honorable mentions and my last honorable mention was from, and I don't even, 1999, I went to see West Ham United versus Tottenham. Come on. Yes. 
And you want to guess the price of that ticket in pounds? No, I don't. <laughs> 42 pounds. All right. Well, that's something. So the amazing thing about your honorable mentions and your whole list is that, can I ask you a question? Sure. Like, how many great cups have you seen in your life? <laughs> um, I think. 10? 10, I think. What? Yeah. Yeah. So you, none of those made your, were even under consideration. Well, because I was working at all of them. I wasn't a fan right. at any of them. Right. So Good. I didn't even consider that, but I should have, I guess. All right. So I'm going to go quickly on my, some of mine. So there's a CFL game segueing to the CFL. Matthew mentioned when I told him what we we're doing, he's like, you got to put that CFL game that we went to against British Columbia Lions. I'm like, what? So I looked it up. <laughs> it's from uh, 2013. The Owls had this, the Alouettes had this crazy comeback against the Lions in the pouring rain. And we were there. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Like when I say pouring rain, like we had to leave our seats and go into the tunnel because it was, we, we were dead. Mm-hmm. So. That was a really amazing game. Um, the Exos had a great series against the Reds in 1993. And I mentioned the Will Cordero. That was part of the Will Cordero phenomenon. He had this game-winning double off of Jeff Reardon in one of the games that we were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raptors versus Warriors, a game that I went to with you, uh, where we sat in sort of like the restaurant. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> restaurant seats, which was amazing to have that experience to be sort of like in a private box. Your son was with us as well. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned, um, well... I have two other baseball games, um, Orioles versus White Sox from August 1991. I mentioned this before, Wilson Alvarez of the White Sox threw a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. And I was at that game in Baltimore. It was the final season of the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. And then another game, which I was surprised wasn't on either of our list, but I know it was at the game, September 27th, 1992, Expos versus Cubs, Gary Carter's final game as an Expo. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Good one. Uh, that was a worthy one anyways. I love your lists, and actually, I, I'm happy with my list too. Yeah, your list is fantastic. I don't know you were you were concerned about it before, but your list is great. The Skip and Josh podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. To interact with the show, send an email to skipandjoshshow at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Skip and Josh and go to Facebook.com slash Skip and Josh to like the show page. To see links mentioned on today's episode, go to skipandjosh.com. And now for some final thoughts from the guys. All right. So do you have anything to end the show with? I have one real piece of news that I think is going to really affect you. And I don't know if it's something that you wanted to also talk about because it was really in the news this week um i I have one thing i want to ask you sure did you watch the season premiere of the goldbergs this week no i did not okay well um i didn't either but i recorded it so i will watch it eventually oh well you're segueing perfectly into two weeks from now our next episode which is going to be all about our top goldbergs episode so i better watch the season premiere of this one correct (laughs) right okay so you mentioned that you record a few weeks ago when we did our cartoon character episodes, you mentioned that you record all the Charlie Brown holiday uh, shows. Correct. Yes. You won't be able to do that anymore. Why not? They are no longer going to be airing on ABC. Why not? This is the first time in, they have. I have the year, uh, this is the first time in like 30 something years or even 40 years that... The the Charlie Brown 
holiday specials will no longer be on regular TV. Like, as you mentioned, they've always been on what channel? Are they ABC. Yes. ABC. ABC. Yeah. Um, so they, they are moving them to Apple TV plus. That's sad. <laughs> I, I told this to my wife. First of all, I'm surprised you didn't hear this. It was all over the news this week. Well, I don't know anything about Apple TV. I know, but still, you, it's, it was so many people had such strong reactions. Like, I told this to my wife, and she's like, no, that's wrong. That should be illegal. I agree. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that I have them all on my PVR. Yeah, yeah I'm glad too. But it's sad. I mean, look, to, to be perfectly honest, how many kids these days, I mean, regular cable is fading. So, I mean, I guess... In a way, they're preserving the legacy by putting it on a streaming service. But um, it, it it is sad that it's like the tradition is sort of gone, right? It is. Because it's going to be on demand. Whereas whereas before, you would be like, okay, tonight we're going to watch The the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, you know? And that's right. it. We're not going to do that anymore. Exactly. You, you want to watch The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, you can watch it all year long. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That is sad. So I figured you, you'd want to hear about that. Thank you for telling me. So now, if people want to watch and they don't have Apple TV, they can come to my apartment and watch. <laughs> we'll, we'll send everybody, send everyone who wants to watch your address. Yeah. All right, Josh. Have a great day, and uh, until next time. Okay. You too.